friends. Welcome to another episode of Custom Made Kid. I'm your host, Amy Williams. If you're new here, I'm excited you've joined us today. This podcast is a place where real conversations about infertility, foster care, and adoption happen. My hope is that by the end of today's episode, you have learned something, been challenged, are encouraged in some way, or maybe feel less alone. We all have our own unique journey. No two are the same, and no one's is perfect. Hi, Steffi. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you were willing to do this. I appreciate it. I'm excited. So I actually found Steffi on Instagram and sent her a message and said, I have to tell your story because it just really jumped out at me. She had gone through the adoption process with her husband, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And ended up being selected by a birth mom and went through the entire process. And then that ultimately did not work out for Steffi and her family. The mm-hmm. biological mom did decide to parent. Am I saying this all correctly so yep, far? Sure. Okay. Are. And ultimately you ended up being the godparents of this child, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That is correct. So I reached out to her and asked her if she'd be willing to share, and she said yes. But let's back up a second, and I would love for you to give a little overview of who you are. Yeah, so I live in central Illinois with my husband, Alex. Um, We are the crazy animal people. We are way into animal rescue. We've got two big dogs and two cats and no kids yet. Um, Hopeful adoptive parents. We've been waiting for about a year and a half now. I work full-time as a director of influencer marketing at the company I work for. So I am very much into the blogosphere, I guess you could say. I have a food blog myself, which is how I kind of got into all of it um, and how I really got into the Instagram community. And my husband works in a restaurant as a chef, so we do a lot of cooking at our house. Which explains Um, the food component. It does. (laughs) It does explain the food component. I know. My Instagram is a very funny mix of... Of food and my animals and adoption and a little bit of reading so it's just sort of all over the place but it's all the things hey, that I really love yeah. it is real life it is real life and um, we are complex creatures with lots of interests and that is definitely evident if you look at my Instagram account but yeah that's that's pretty much it we're pretty we're kind of nerdy and love to cook and you we can talk your ears off about food and all that good stuff so is that how y'all connected it actually we really fell in love through food we (laughs) met through mutual friends in college um and then reconnected after college but it was really our love our mutual love of food and cooking that brought us together and is really sort of what sparked our love story so it's it's something that's really important in our house yeah and then when you said you were from Illinois, I was like, ah, oh, I can hear the accent a little bit. But then I thought, you know what? She probably thinks I have the worst Alabama accent ever. So my my mom's family is um, my mom's family's from Mississippi, actually. So okay. Southern accents, like I notice them, but I don't go like, oh my gosh, I don't understand what they're saying at all because I grew sure. up with it. So I have people tell me sometimes I have a strong accent, and I'm like, I cannot hear it whatsoever. So <laughs> I choose to believe I do not. <laughs> But to get to the adoption component of this story, I think before we lead into 
the birth mother relationship that Mm -hmm. you have and the godparent relationship that you have, which I'm so excited to talk about. I want to know how did adoption become a part of your story? Yeah. So we started um, trying to conceive pretty soon after we got married and it became pretty evident, at least to me early on that there was something not quite right. I just had a gut feeling that there was something not quite right. And to make a long story shorter, um, I was ultimately diagnosed with endometriosis. I have stage three endometriosis. I've had, I had three surgeries within the span of like six months or something in 2017. And then even in spite of the surgeries, we still weren't getting pregnant. And I form luteinized and ruptured follicles. So essentially the follicle forms, but it never actually releases the egg. And so obviously doesn't do that. You can't get pregnant. We had talked for a while about the fact that if we couldn't get pregnant, we or if we couldn't get pregnant naturally, that we weren't necessarily interested in pursuing IVF. It's great for a lot of people, but just for us, we just weren't sure it was gonna it would work considering all the stuff going on with me. And we felt like we would rather put our money towards adoption. It's something that we had talked about doing anyway. We just thought that we would have biological children first. And so for us when we sort of hit that wall um, and when I, I was like, my body can't take this anymore. My emotions can't take this anymore. I'm done with trying to get pregnant. Switching to adoption was a pretty easy decision, actually. It was sure. it was what we had already sort of decided. And I had been doing research for a really long time before that. So it was a pretty easy switch to flip. And so that was December of 2017 that we decided to start pursuing adoption. Okay, so let me get deep on you real quick. Yeah. (laughs) Well, why not go for it? To speak to what you were saying, one of the things that jumped out at me a second ago, and so many times I hear it, and I've said it myself, which was the, we thought we would have biological children Mm -hmm. first and then adopt. Yeah. Do you ever wonder why it's not in a different order? Why people don't say, I do. Hey, I'm going to adopt and then biological children. I do. And I think, because I've thought about that with us too. Like why, why, why was that? that kind of thing? Yeah. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think a lot of it is just, that's what society tells us that we should do. Sure. And well, I think and that that's the clock component, you right. know, whereas your bodies don't have an indefinite amount of time. Right. Exactly. Um, to have children biologically. So that puts a little bit of a clock on it where mm-hmm. adoption does not quite have that clock. And I think, but, too, you know, when we started trying to get pregnant, like we were in a place financially where we knew that we could raise a baby, but we weren't necessarily in a place where we felt like we could pay the thousands of dollars outright to start that adoption process. So I think I think there often can be the financial component of that too, where you know you may be in a place where you because raising a baby and adopting a baby are two very different things financially, so different. right? Yeah. So I think that that can often play a role as well. I would agree. That's a great point. I mean, because biology is pretty cheap when it works the way it <laughs> sure can. To. When yeah. it works, it's sure cheap. Yep. Yep. And that is one of the main things that people say to me when they've 
had the a conversation with me about adoption is I would love to do that and there's a but and it's always the either mm-hmm. it's a fear thing like I'm afraid of it a little bit which I understand because I've been there right and then the other one is the money the money right. always comes up when people are in that consideration phase yes and so you know I told you when we were talking about the custom aid kid foundation there are a lot of reasons that people may consider adoption and then decide it's not for them Mm -hmm. it would be my hope that finances wouldn't be one of those reasons you know I mean there are cases where it it's a limiting factor and maybe that means you weren't supposed to do it in the first place right as a way of working out details but at the same time I, I I hate that I would have missed out or so many people I know would have missed out on this amazing love story and it would have been over money Right. So, yes. Well, so moving on from there, you guys decide to start the adoption process. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that was in 2017. Yeah, that was the very tail end right before Christmas of 2017. Okay. Um, So we became, we officially became a waiting family. We moved through our home study process pretty quickly because I'm one of those people The paperwork was like my Olympics. I was like, yes, let me power through these checklists. I am into it. Um, (laughs) Which does not surprise me because let me tell y'all, the instant I said, hey, I want to record this, (laughs) like an hour later, she'd already said, hey, I haven't gotten the link. And (laughs) and then I'm on top of things. (laughs) Hey, no, that's fine. It's great. I needed the baby. I'm an Enneagram one. If any listeners out there are into the Enneagram, I am 100% Enneagram one. So (laughs) I can feel you on that. And she had found me on my custom made kid page, my personal page, whatever. And we had docked out all this friendship in in 15 minutes. So um, I can see you going through that paperwork. So for me, I was like, all right, paperwork, I got this. Um, So we powered through our home study pretty quickly. So we were actually officially like a waiting family by the end of January of 2018. Oh, yeah, that's Um, really quick for a home study. Yeah, real quick. And like (laughs) that we were still waiting on our... Like we had done all of our paperwork and stuff. We were just waiting on our FBI clearances. Um, so our agency was, they went ahead and put us as a waiting family because they were like, yeah, we know that you're going to pass. It's fine. Well, and so for those of you who may not actually be familiar with the adoption process, maybe there's somebody out there listening that is just considering and this is them sticking their toe in the waters mm-hmm. kind of deal. When you are going through a home study, you and your spouse or just you or whoever it is has to go through a fingerprinting process where the federal government clears you from crimes against children to make sure that as well as they know how they're placing children in really healthy homes. So that's what Steffi was referring to there. Yes. Um, So y'all blow through the home study process. Mm -hmm. You're now a waiting family. So your profile's live. Profile's live. And it was only a, we were only live for about six weeks and we were chosen by an expectant mom. Which is also crazy fast. Which was super fast. I Because I, we had like, I, we had a room that we knew where we were going to turn into the nursery, but I was like, we'll just work on it real slowly, just kind of here and there. And then six weeks later, we get this call. We've been we've been chosen by this expectant mother. She's due in a month. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I went into like, a, well, oh it's my gosh, the long, get ready. It feels like there's no middle. It's either the long, long yes. wait, or yes, it happens in. It's so two seconds your head spinning. two seconds yeah so um we got everything ready and then a few days before and that and that was actually um a closed relationship she wanted a closed adoption we didn't have 
any identifying information on her. Um, we didn't have any direct contact with her. And uh, a few days before the due date, she decided to parent. She um, called and called one of the um, workers that had been working with, said, I've decided to parent. And she kind of fell off the face of the earth in terms of communication. No one ever really heard from her again. And so that was a very, we didn't know, you know, that she was okay. We didn't know that the baby was okay. That sure. there was, it was kind of hard because we just didn't know anything. There was and no so, closure. Yeah, there like. was exactly, there was, there really wasn't any closure. So a few weeks later, we went live again and we waited and we waited and we waited and it wasn't actually until almost exactly a year from when we got the first call so it was the end of february of this year we got a call about an expectant mama who had chosen us she was due in just a few weeks and at this point at least we had the nursery already because we'd gone through all of that last year this wait was actually much more, we're the first one that month was frantic, trying to get the nursery together and make sure that we were ready, whereas we already had everything. And so everything was really ready. And so it was very much, at least here in our home, kind of calm and just waiting in those few weeks. And really it freed me up emotionally to get to know this mama because she did want a relationship and Really, so from, was this a fully? She wanted a fully open. Mm-hmm, yep, adoption, she she or, did. Yeah, okay. she wanted to have a well, and she knew she wanted to have a relationship, an open relationship with us before the baby was born. She wanted us in the delivery room, and she was still deciding really what she wanted afterwards. And as far as the relationship, yeah, in terms okay. of yeah, how much contact okay. and what relationship she wanted. Going into it, I mean, from day one from the first time we talked to her on the phone and had sort of an intro call between ourselves and her and the agency to sort of break the ice. I got her phone number and I texted her and we texted every single day, multiple times a day. We FaceTimed, you know, talking not just about the baby. I was very intentional about asking her questions about herself. And, you know, I would just periodically text her and be like, here's five or six just like super fluffy questions. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? Um, What's your favorite movie? If you could do anything for a job, what would it be? Like stuff like that. And just ask her those like, hey, just fun time, question time. Um, Which is awesome because so many times, you know, one of the, not complaints, but the concerns of the adoption process, the the negative component of it is that people feel like, and rightly so in some cases, that the focus is on this baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in the ugliest version of it, you hear you hear people commenting about how adoption is sort of a, like a white privilege and you're buying a baby. Right. And that's so sad to me. But the birth mother in many cases does just become a part of the machine, become right. a part of the process instead of being a very valuable person. And there's a lot of relationships out there, adoptions out there that do have that relationship. And that's one thing that really drew me to your story is the birth mother element, how you, I would have to show it. Um, but the picture of yeah. you in the room yeah. with the biological mother hugging her yep. in the hospital bed, that's powerful. And well, you know, so it's interesting. So when Alex and I were very first chosen by her and you know when we were accepted the match I said to him 
no matter what happens, because we had seen the reality that, and it is a tough, I think it's a tough pill to swallow as a hopeful adoptive parent that no baby is yours until the paper's signed. But, and we had, we had experienced that last year. And I said, we have an opportunity because she was real young and didn't really have anyone. I said, we have an opportunity to love her. No matter what happens, if we can love her, we will have done this thing well. And so we went into it with that mindset. And the picture that you're referring to, my one of my best friends, she's a photographer. She lives out in Sacramento. When we started the adoption process, she said, no matter where, no matter when, when you meet your baby, I will be there to take pictures. And so oh, that's a good friend. She's a, she took a red eye from <laughs> Sacramento to Michigan. It was incredible. And and so I had already talked to this um, expectant mama about Kathleen and having her there. And she was very open to having her in the delivery room. And it ended up that the delivery was crazy. And so we didn't get there in time for the delivery. But we met the baby, her and the baby, like two hours after he was born. Have you ever met her before? I we had not met in person. And and, okay. we had, yeah, we had just done like FaceTimes and texted a bunch, but we hadn't met in person. And so she, that was the first time we met her. And so Kathleen went into the, the, into the room. She, you know, got our camera ready and we walked in and I, I talked to Kathleen later about it. She said, you know, I was expecting you to go in and immediately pick up the baby and what she wasn't expecting. And I, I mean, I didn't even think about this until she said it. Cause I was sort of in this fog. You're just sort of in la la land. I immediately went over and I immediately embraced the mama. Oh, that was wow. the first thing I did because I my eyes locked with hers and I'm going to I'm going to start crying. My friend told me not to well, cry I'm when I do this. Um I locked eyes with her and there was the it, it it in that sacred space there was a connection that I can't even put into words. And she and she was by we herself in her you know and yes and we had become friends and yeah. I you know I had become I had come to think of her as a friend and not just you know my hopeful baby's expectant birth mama like it was I thought of her as my friend and meeting her was every bit as special to me as meeting the baby was I hope you're enjoying today's episode Before we continue, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to the Custom Made Kid podcast. Don't miss out on future episodes. If you or someone you know has a foster or adoption story that needs to be told, I'd love to hear from you. Email connect at custommadekid.com. From there, when you met this mama and had your moment, how long until you guys were able to meet this baby. So he was right there. Um, it's funny because we didn't know what the sex of the baby was before we got there. And um, I and when she texted me um, that the baby was born, I was like, don't tell me. Don't tell me the sex yet. I don't want to know. Yeah. And so we got there. But like the hospital didn't have any like it's a boy or anything blue or like it wasn't a parent. It's, you know, this little baby's all swaddled up in white. And I look and I go, what is what it? Is it? <laughs> it's a boy I was like oh it's a boy um so we got to and it was really late at night it was like 11 o'clock at night 
so you know there wasn't really anyone around so it was a very quiet time where my husband and I got to hold him and take pictures of him and talk to her and about the time that she was you know kind of getting tired and needing to get cleaned up we left you know and I said like are you are you okay staying here alone in the hospital with him like are you comfortable with that she was uh, and so we you know let her have that time at night with him in the hospital both of the nights because you know if I I knew that if she signed those papers that was going to be her time with him and I didn't want to take that I wanted her to have that because I I knew if she just if she decided to parent it wasn't going to be because we like gave her too much time in the hospital with the baby she was in the hospital for a couple days um, had those couple nights with him and then he was discharged to us with power of attorney um, because he was the the timeline when he was born and the state that we were in it the papers would have been signed like Friday super late at night and so they were just gonna they were gonna sign the papers on Monday morning Um, and so we had him he was discharged to us on like a Thursday um, and we had him Friday Saturday Sunday and then on Monday morning she decided to parent okay Um, so let's stop there yeah I mean obviously you guys had had spent alone time with this baby and you know you'd been very connected to this birth mom did did she go radio silent you know we, when, in this these couple of days that you had the baby yeah. were you still in communication we or? were yeah we okay. were cuz she and i was very you know kind of following her lead i didn't want to cuz i had told her like and we had talked about that like you know when we leave here like I am going to kind of follow your lead. I will happily send you pictures every five minutes, but if that's too much, I want you to tell me. And we had actually already talked about and planned like on seeing her because we were going to be in that state until we were allowed to leave. We had already planned on seeing her later anyway, like later that week, meeting up with her so she could see him. Um, And so we had been texting back and forth and she, without getting into too many details of of her story she actually texted me on Sunday and said that she was struggling and wasn't sure what she was going to do and so we had a little bit of a heads up that she might decide to parent and which didn't now, necessarily so make it easier at the, yeah that's what I was going to ask so you kind of get this this text that probably throws you into a little bit of a tailspin like totally shadow <laughs> totally over those those next several moments or hours yes. that you have with this baby because yeah you know you really don't know at this point if it's going to continue to be a part of your life yes yeah and you know we had a pediatrician appointment with him the next morning and so we just had to go to that and put our names on the paperwork and you know just you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen one foot in front of the other it was it was very much just like a, okay I'm going to get through the next five minutes and then I'm going to get through the next five minutes so you know we did we did know a little bit but that yeah that doesn't nece- didn't necessarily make it easier when we got when we found out that she had decided to parent well so take me through those moments where you had walked away with this little boy feeling mm-hmm. like he was yours. Mm-hmm. And then you have to turn around and hand this little boy back over to the biological mother. And yeah. like you said, she had every right to decide totally. to parent this child. But 
your heart was also a part of this process, your husband's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you guys had invested financially, emotionally, all those things. And so while I admire your ability to honor her, I want to hear sort of some of the nitty gritty of what you were feeling. Yeah, you know, they so they called us and it was around one o'clock, maybe in the afternoon. They said, you know, you'll 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 need to take him back to the lawyer's office. They'll meet you there at four o'clock. And I I actually asked I I said, can we go sooner? Like I literally I guess I I just finished feeding him. I was holding him and I couldn't picture living through those next three hours before we had to take him back and just continuing to like hold him. for the next three hours. In retrospect, I almost feel bad about that. I almost feel guilty for feeling that way. But in that moment, I was like, I have like three and a half hours before I have to give him back. But I know I have to give him back. How am I going to survive the next three hours? Well, that's speaking from pain. Yeah. And you you said it yourself earlier, your core reactions are going to follow sort of that Enneagram one. Yes. And it, it did, you know, yes. I mean, that's a very go-getter, make things happen. Yes. You know, personality. And so it, it sounds like almost like you got this information and okay, well, let's hit this as head on as we've hit everything else. Let's, let's mm-hmm. do this. But did you, when did you grieve? You know, I mean, because that's kind of like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Let's, let's handle it. Yeah. At what point did you, or did you, did you fall, was let really, yourself fall apart? I did fall apart. And I did fall apart in that moment when I got off the phone and looked my husband in, in the face and mm. said, she's decided to parent. I mean, he knew that's what I was, he knew that's what was happening on the phone, but he needed to, to hear, hear me say it. And you tell him this information, which he had kind of gathered from the phone call. Yeah. And you guys go ahead and take this baby boy back to the mm-hmm. lawyer's office. Do you see the biological mom at this point? Yeah. So they, the lawyer brought us in and said, she's not here yet. You know, do you want to see her? And I just sort of froze. And Alex said, you know what, why don't, why don't you ask what she, what she wants? Um, which it was interesting. It was the second time he had done that. The first time was we had stepped out of the room so she could speak to the social worker. And the, I don't, can't remember what the hospital needed to do with the baby. We were with the baby in the nursery and the nurses came in and said, so are you going to get him circ? Like, do you want to get him circumcised? And I like froze like, yes, I had this little baby boy. And I knew at some point someone was going to ask someone that question. But I was like, I don't I don't I don't have that. I don't know. It's a big question. It's a big question. And I wasn't 100% positive who was going to get asked that question and whose decision it would be. So when they like walked in and they're like, oh, you're the adoptive parents. Do you want to do this? And I like looked at my husband and I was like, I don't know. What do you think? And he's like, well, I'm inclined to say yes, but let's ask her. Let's ask the mom first um, and see if. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Like (laughs) it was one of those things where my my mind went blank. And he was like, well, let's ask her and see what she thinks and see if she has any feelings about it. So that was actually the, the second time he did that where I froze and he was like, let's, you know, if she wants to see us, then we'll see her. And she did. And. Which is 
really kind of great on his mm-hmm. part to think about it from that position yeah. because had I been asked that same question I would have a either froze like you yes or b kind of run I yes think, you know just because I don't I don't know how I would have handled that well right uh, necessarily <laughs> in that moment I was still like I still don't like I was like I don't I don't I don't I don't know <laughs> But I don't know what I want of her to yes. say yes I want to see them you yes know, after the decision had been made because it would have been so easy for her to just take her baby boy and disappear and not yes. ever answer to you guys or yes. look you in the eyes and she on the way to the lawyer's office before she got there she texted me and she said I'm sure I'm the last person you want to hear from but I just need you to know that I'm more than sorry I said in that moment I I said you know just please someday let him know how loved he was in these five days or whatever. And she said, I absolutely will. And, you know, I had all the stuff and I just, I just sort of my, when I saw her, I just started babbling. (laughs) What can I tell her? What can I babble about? Because as soon as I stop babbling, I'll fall apart. It was impossibly hard to place him back in her arms. And to see her walk away and to walk out of that lawyer's office office with an empty car seat. Yeah. And that empty car seat is the thing. Like <laughs> that's the real kicker. Like you come home with the empty car seat. That's the thing where you're like this effing car seat. <laughs> like I just throw it out the window. Like oof, I hate it right now. That but was the real a, thing. A- real picture of Mm -hmm. exactly probably how your heart felt at that moment which was empty Mm -hmm. yeah and you know I I can totally feel for you there um my husband and I fostered a little boy for several months and with the impression that we would be adopting him we were told by the biological mother she had changed her mind and I drove to meet her halfway between where she lived and where we lived. And mm-hmm. thankfully, I had a um, kind of coworker slash friend slash mentor that was able to go with me because I had said, I'm going to do this on my own. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. And I really was just like, I didn't want to bring anyone into my pain. And right. she's one of those people that's just wonderful in the sense that she's like, nope, nope, not doing this. Right. I'm driving. I'm showing up. You're just going to get in the car and go. And that's exactly what I needed at that moment was someone to sort of take charge or I would have thought I could do it myself and when I made that handoff I felt like my heart broke into a million pieces and I cried the entire way home there is Mm -hmm. no way I could have driven I'd probably still be there (laughs) (laughs) so you guys leave and Mm -hmm. we're with this empty car seat and she says to you in that text I'm probably the last person you want to hear from was there any point where you agreed with her never and I can say this I can say this honestly I'm not just saying this because it makes me like sound like I'm a really good person because really I'm not I never hated her I never held it against her because I mean I was holding the most perfect child in the world I to this day I maintain he is the most perfect baby but of course she wanted to parent him like he's perfect you can't fault her for loving him you can't fault her for she and we saw how good of a mama she was in the hospital and so we never 
neither of us ever doubted that she was going to be a wonderful mother and that she was going to love him and care for him for every ounce of her ability. So in that way, it was there. We knew that. And I hated that we were in that situation, but her, no. And that's kind of the discussion we had when we were talking about recording this podcast was you said there were so many people that probably thought that you have a screw loose <laughs> because you you weren't angry and yeah. you guys continued a relationship with her yeah. and you're now the godparents of this little yeah. boy. So take take me there. It had been a couple weeks and the only contact I'd had with her was there was some paperwork and some of the hospital bracelets that I'd forgotten to take to the lawyer's office. And so I'd gotten her address and I let her know when I stuck those in the mail. Um, and she said, thank you. And But it had been uh, two or three weeks and I just missed her. I missed the baby, but I also missed her. And I sent her a text and I said, I don't know, you may never want to hear from me again. And if you, and if you don't, I will respect that 100%, but I really miss you. I'd love to be friends. If if you're open to it, I would love to, to maybe be friends. And there's no instruction manual for how to do any of this. And, you know, if that's something you're interested in, then I'm game. And she texted back immediately and said, I would love to. Oh. We just kind of started up our, our friendship again, and she... I mean, there's really hardly been a day since then that we haven't texted and she has sent me all sorts of pictures and tells me what's going on in their life. And so then it was it was probably and I can't I can't remember it was sometime after Easter. But she texted me one night and she said, if you would like, I would really love for you to be as God mama. Um, I she said, I will always feel like he's a little bit yours as well. And I want you to be a part of his life if you'd like. We can FaceTime and someday, you know, he and I can come down and visit you guys. And I said, yes, a thousand times yes. I I bawled my eyes out. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, she's asked me to be the godmother. It just has turned into the most special, unexpected relationship. And sometimes it's bittersweet for me, but mostly it's sweet knowing that he is okay and she is okay and they're doing well and we have a relationship where you know she feels like she can talk to me about both the good stuff and the hard stuff you know maybe someday they'll be some of the first ones to meet our baby you didn't fall in love with one person you fell in love with two totally you know in the end that's winning in my book i mean it I I can still imagine it's hard and I would never want to minimize what you went through. But at the same time, like you kind of gained double. Totally. Like we would still do it all over again. We would love him exactly the same way because every single child deserves that. And we would love his mama the exact same way because every expectant mama deserves that. We know that at the end of the day, we did exactly what we said we were going to do from the outset, which was love them well. And we did that and we can have no regrets about that. If you can walk into a situation knowing that it may not go the way that you're hoping it'll go, but if you can love well and the best that you can, you'll have no regrets. If 
your story really hits home with someone or they want to ask you more questions, how would they find you? So Instagram's great. Um, I'm at Steffi Cooks, S-T-E-P-H-I-E-C-O-O-K-S. I will put that information in our show notes. They can definitely have a way to reach you. And I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. It was an honor to hear it. Thank you for joining our show today. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of the Custom Made Kid podcast. To learn more about the vision behind the Custom Made Kid Foundation, you can visit our website at custommadekid.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again, and I'm already looking forward to our next episode this same time next week.